Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games, but more importantly, welcome to the playoffs. This is where the shit really begins for us, because while usually I am good at betting in the regular season, this year I was okay. I am always excellent in the postseason. I being Joe, your co-host, at BMATFTS, the keeper of the real, this being Alex, your other co-host, at I underscore like underscore sports six. How's it going, Joe? Happy to be back. It's uh, been a little in and out recently, but it's the playoffs. That's where it gets fun, man. Yeah, shit's been fucky between Christmas and New Year's and not giving a shit about week 18 at all. But the playoffs are back and so is my enthusiasm. So is the pod. Shall we get it? Yeah, I feel let's like jump on in. I feel like we're going to get long with this one because I'm going to want to break down every single team and their weaknesses. So, yeah. Hey, long on this one is more than welcome. This is the playoffs is probably the most exciting part of the season, at least for me, because you finally get to see, you know, this year at a lot of parody, but you get to see all the juggernauts play each other, all the storylines come head to head. Let's take our time with it. Why not? Yo. All right, to start off the playoffs for this year, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are minus five and a half. One thing that I hate about the playoffs is that the lines are so prohibitive. Um, Five and a half is just a number you hate to fucking bet because you're not getting all the value of a minus six or even a minus six and a half. But also it's slightly more intimidating than a plus four going the other way. Um, That being said, the Bengals are the play. As much as I want to fade the Bengals, this is not the week. Um, do you agree? Yeah, I agree with you. Honestly, like we've kind of shit on the Bengals all year long. Um, and I think that's warranted. Yeah, the the beginning of the season, I still think they're a fadeable team, but their their offense is really well built to beat up on this Raiders defense, assuming Joe Burrow doesn't get murdered by Max Crosby. But all he has to do is throw a jump ball to one of his three good receivers. And the Raiders have one good corner who's a slot. Yeah. They're, I, the, they're you could argue the win. ghost of Casey Hayward is pretty decent, but he's 5'10. Yeah. It, T. Higgins is going, uh, T. Higgins can still catch any jump ball they throw at him. And Jamar Chase has been electric this year. You know, uh, we were a little lower on him than maybe the masses were, but he's been incredible. And there's no one covering him. Casey Hayward cannot run with him. I was going to say, even even if we take my prior from August and we say Jamar Chase is a wide receiver too, a perfectly competent wide receiver too, even if that were the case, and I'm not necessarily saying it is, I still think he fucking racks up yards on this Raiders team because it's the same. So now that we've gotten like our initial cursory handicap out of the way, I think we can go a little deeper on these teams. Let's start with the Raiders defense. If Max Crosby doesn't get a sack, you're going to have a successful play against them because they're weak at every position outside of defensive end and and slot corner if you want to break that off into its own position. And they run a an aggressive defense that requires really talented players in the secondary. Um, many people may recall how the Raiders got absolutely butt-fucked by the Chiefs both times and just could not stop them at all on defense. And some of you might even know that that's because they refuse to play too high, which is, again, it's just two safeties taking away each half of the field deep over the top to make sure that big plays don't happen, right? To just limit those broken plays that go for a ton of yards. And if we know anything about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, 
it's that like half of their production comes from the broken plays and half is okay. A lot of their production relative to the rest of the league comes from broken plays. They go deep. Joe Burrow has a little fuck it in him. And Jamar Chase is both talented enough and lucky enough to either get open or be left open by, you know, you see it. You've seen it so many times. Falling defensive backs, confused defensive backs, just ad-libbing and the defense not being able to cover him that long. He gets open deep. And this defense is prone to letting that happen. So the thing that the Bengals, like the Bengals offense is always decent and it can be really fucking good when all those fuck it Jamar Chase down there somewhere plays work and they're going to work against the Raiders specifically. It's a terrible matchup for them. Yeah, I had the same exact thought of if the the Bengals are going to lose as soon as they face a team with a good uh, secondary because their entirety of their offense is Joe Burrow looks to Jamar Chase and if he's relatively open, he's throwing it at him. If he's in single coverage, he's throwing it at him. If he's not, then he moves to his next read and tries to get it to one of the other good receivers they have. But until there's someone that can shut down Jamar or at least like run with him, you're you're not going to stop their offense, even though, you know, their offensive line is still bad. And Joe Burrow is the most hit quarterback in the league. And Max Crosby is going to get a ton of pressure on him. They don't in like you said, unless Crosby is breaking every play, it won't matter because all they need are a couple big plays to Jamar or, you know, T Higgins catches some ball down the sideline or, you know, Tyler Boyd shakes Nate Hobbs in the in the slot. Uzama goes down the seam, something. They have too many weapons that they're quick with getting the ball out, and the Raiders won't be able to do that. That's another they, thing. That's another thing is the strength of the Bengals' offense, like as far as roster composition goes, is not necessarily that they have any high-end talent on their skill positions, but every single player, like every single position is deep. Joe Mixon is a good running back, and they have decent backups. Okay, Uzama is not a good tight end, but he's Austin Hooper. Like, he is enough to take that seam when everybody's spread out. And then you've got three wide receivers who are each starting caliber, reliable wide receivers, at the least. And the Raiders cannot fuck with that. They're going to get, their defense is meant to condense itself so that they can get as many bodies as possible in the first 15 yards, basically daring you like, yeah, beat us the fuck deep. But when you've got multiple dudes who can actually beat you deep and stretch the field out, that defense expands. And when a defense that's meant to be dense expands, it leaves holes everywhere. So God forbid the Raiders actually do take away both of the outside wide receivers being Higgins and Chase. You've got Mixon and Boyd running fucking wild. And oh no, we forgot Uzama. That's a 30-yard touchdown. So I, I just think that it's a fucking terrible matchup for a bad team facing a decent team. And it's going to be freezing the fuck cold and the Raiders live in Vegas and the Bengals live in our Northern Midwest. So it's the Northern Midwest. If you count Kentucky and shit, do you want to talk about the Raiders offense versus the Bengals defense? Because I think we've established the Bengals are going to be able to score. Will the Raiders be able to keep up? Because I think that's the only way is if a shootout happens, but do you think they're going to be able to? So I think that Darren Waller will have as big a game as he wants. He had one really bad drop against the Chargers, which kind of disappointed me. And he didn't quite look like himself coming back from injury and COVID and re-injury. But Darren Waller is still, when healthy, the best tight end in the game, the hardest to cover. And the Bengals have nobody that is suited for that. Von Bell is not good at covering average tight ends, much less the best. And 
Uh, Jesse Bates is a pumpkin, not just because he wears orange, but because he's not nearly as good as people thought he was. He can't cover Darren Waller. You're not going to be silly enough to stick a corner on Darren Waller. I don't, I don't know how they stop him. However, I also know that Derek Carr loves to panic under pressure. The Bengals have two good edge rushers and Derek Carr fucking sucks. And it's the playoffs. Quarterbacks who fucking suck in the playoffs don't produce a lot of points. Sometimes they win, but they usually don't score 24 or more. And they're going to need to to keep up with these Bengals. Yeah, that's the same read I have. Uh, Renfro is going to get his catches. I don't think he's going to do anything special, though, because the Bengals have been decent with uh, their corners this year. They're, they've played better than I thought. They Waller is going to have a great day. He, they, the Bengals have nobody that can cover him. I mean, a lot of teams don't have anyone that can cover Waller, but the Bengals especially don't. But hey, honestly, exactly I'm, I might look I might look Waller over prop. I don't know what that number is going to be, but that might be where the money is. Yeah, that might be a, a good one to get because they, they just don't have the talent and – we know the Raiders are going to have to throw the ball. And if they're smart, they're going to just feed Waller the entire time. It's their best chance. They, they could it, try running the ball, but that defensive line is legitimately good. You don't want to do exactly. that. Exactly. That's that's why they're going to have to run it because DJ Reader has had a great year. Larry Ogunjobi has been fine. And then both their edges have been really good in the run game. I mean, Sam Hubbard, we know, is an amazing uh, run-stopping edge. And Trey Hedrickson is a great year. And exactly what you said about car under pressure that's going to happen because that line is solid you know dj reader doesn't offer much of a pass rush i don't know if they have a, a pass rush uh one tech that they throw in there or whatever but as far as the edges go they're going to be able to get pressure on it and Derek carr can make good plays he made a, a handful of really nice plays in the most recent game to get him into the playoffs but he still takes so many stupid sacks or throws the ball away when he doesn't need to because he has someone close to him. And while I don't think that's going to, you know, he's not going to be taking nine sacks or anything, he's not going to be in hell, but he's going to be running around panicking a little bit, and they're going to need to score a lot to keep up with it, especially because they won't be able to lean on Josh Jacobs like they were able to in the game against the Chargers or some of their games that they've pulled out where they get big runs late that kind of set them up nicely. I just don't think he can handle that much consistent pressure. I also think – so there's this uh... – there's this guy I follow on Twitter, Sharp Clark. Shout out, Sharp Clark. He's actually a pretty decent capper, and he does it the same way I do by doing film study rather than, like, trying to play odds, numbers, and shit, arbitrage. Um, he, he has a trend that he keeps track of every year, and every year it's profitable, and this year it's killing it. Teams off of a fraudulent win have been just fucking pathetic against the spread this year. And the Raiders are coming off of a wildly fraudulent win. They won by three points in overtime. And while you might say it's kind of fluky that the Chargers had a 20-play touchdown drive to tie the game and send it to overtime, I might say over the course of 20 fucking plays, the truth came out. Like, it's not like the Chargers hit a big one. They fucking did 20 plays, um, which is a testament to just how fucking terrible Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley are as coaches. Both should be fired and probably killed, but that's not a threat and nobody should actually kill them. I'm not going to jail for Brandon Staley or any of you. Um, that being said, good save, good save. All right, there you go. Um, that being said, the Chargers lost seven points on a fumbled punt, not even a muffed punt, just a fumbled one. 
they lost three points on Brandon Staley sticking his thumb up his ass and going for it in a very close game from his own fucking 20, like an idiot, with a terrible play call, no less. They lost another seven points because Derek Carr threw the ball away but didn't quite make it out of bounds, and the refs decided somehow that was catchable defensive pass interference 50-yard penalty on fourth or second or third down. And on that same drive, they also hit a 24-yard halfback dive on third and 23. So right there, that's about 17 points that God just didn't want the Chargers to have, and there's no other explanation. Because of that, I think that their three-point overtime victory might be a little fake. And no, this is not just sour grapes because I lost three units on that fucking game. And no, it's not just sour grapes because I've lost like eight units on the fucking Raiders' behalf over the last two weeks. Although those things are related to this pick in that I think the Raiders are bad and need to be treated as such. This line came out at Bengals minus seven and is coming down. Now, I'm probably going to play it right now because getting it at minus five isn't any fucking different. It's probably not going to get down to three and a half. And otherwise, I don't care. But we've got the weather on our side. We've got a matchup advantage. And we've got the significantly better team that happens to be at home. Our first bet of the week looks like it's going to be Cincy minus five and a half. Let's lock it in. Moving on. Beautiful. And the next game on Saturday will be the New England Patriots going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus four. I think that our first... Okay, no. The first thing we're going to say about this game is there's a silver lining to the Chargers losing last week, even though it lost me money, and my boy Justin Herbert doesn't get to go to the playoffs. If the Chargers had won, we'd be getting Patriots versus Bengals, which would have really just been frustrating to try to bet on because it's two teams that we want to fade about similarly. Instead... We get the Patriots going to the Bills, and I am going to bet my life, your life, and your dog's life on this game. Now, there is some concern amongst, frankly, dumb fucks that don't do their research that this game is supposed to be in the weather. And last time these two teams played in the weather, it went poorly for the Bills in a game which I would say is actually a fluke, even under the conditions that it happened under. That same game is played nine times out of ten. I think the Bills win by at least three. So... And I don't really care to get into it, but you actually did legwork, which is something nobody does to your chagrin, and found out maybe there's not so much a cause for concern. Yeah, I looked up both Buffalo and Orchard Park for weather reports upcoming, and it seems like it's going to snow the next couple days, but it might snow on Friday, and it's supposed to be clear on Saturday and Sunday. It's just going to be really cold. I think the high is nine and the low is zero. Obviously, you know, we're still a handful of days out. Meteorologists are wrong all the time and shit changes. But it looks like they're clear on a a day each way. Snow-wise, it's just going to be chilly. And I think that this is important because, one, even if it snows, I think the Bills actually still have an advantage because it's easier to pass the ball in the snow. Um, The snow limits everybody's agility. This This is Tom Brady and Randy Moss saying this, not me. But the snow limits everybody's agility and straight line speed to an extent. So quarterbacks are at an advantage because everything's happening in slow motion around them from the pass rushers to the defensive backs. Wide receivers have an advantage because they know where they're going. So it's easier for them to keep their balance on the slippery surface. And they every time a, def- a defensive back needs to be so much more athletic than a wide receiver, because when a wide receiver makes a cut, most of the time, the defensive back's next step is actually away from the play. So the defensive back has to make 
two steps back in the direction of the receiver in order to catch up and stay in leverage. This is a very complex way of saying wide receivers have an advantage because they know where they're going and their first step, they're open. Defensive backs take longer to catch up. The Patriots can't fucking throw. The Bills can't fucking run. And the Bills, I think, are a little bit more prepared and taking the Patriots a little bit more seriously, whereas the Patriots have shown everybody exactly who the fuck they are, which is a bad football team. Exactly. I'm the same way in that the Bills have kind of come back on and are, are figuring out who they are again. Josh Allen has been playing really well. But more importantly, the Patriots have returned to who they really are, which is a decent team that is just missing people at really key positions, namely quarterback. Mac Jones is fine for a rookie, but this is when, you know, playoffs is when that stuff comes out. And when you can just scheme against one team, exactly, and it's going to be cold and they're going to have to pass, it's going to be really rough for Mac Jones. He's going to have, he's been struggling and now it's going to be a lot of factors against him. Keep in mind, he'd never played a game in the cold before the wind game, and this is going to be significantly colder. And he says he hates the cold. Yeah. So, I mean, we can we can get into each side of the ball. Do you want to do, or I guess first we can say that we're probably going Bills minus four here. Uh, by probably, I mean, personally, I'm putting five units on it. I don't know if that's how the pod picks will shake out, but five grand Bills, not fucking questioning it. Yeah, I'll be, I will also be betting on them. All right, so then let's get into each side of the ball matchups. Do you want to do uh, Bills D versus Patriots offense first? That should be pretty quick. Um, we've seen these teams match up twice already, and both times we learned that the Bills aren't – okay, the Bills aren't great at stopping the run, but I think that the rumors of their vulnerability to the Patriots run game are greatly exaggerated. They moved the ball fairly well in the second game, but even in the first game, as much as the Patriots ran the ball, they didn't fucking do anything with it. Like, they scored one touchdown on that big busted run, right? Like, I think it was like a 37-yard run or some shit. Maybe it was mm-hmm. a 67-yard run. It was a big I, I think it was run. longer. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it being like half the field. I was going to say, I actually think that they had the ball at their own 37 when they broke the run, which would make it a 63-yard run, which sounds more correct. Um, Either way, it was a big fucking run, and it was up the middle. It was just shit got fucked, and it's not like the sustainable kind of run where it's like a good scheme and the running back just outran everybody or broke some tackles. It was shit went wrong. Uh, In the second game, the Patriots actually moved the ball more consistently with their run game, probably because the pass game opened up some lanes. But, one, they lost, and two, that game was deceitfully close. Um, It should have been a fucking blowout. The game was over, and the Bills just kind of took their foot off the gas. That's not going to happen again. One, because the Bills have been in way too many close games lately against teams they should be whomping. And two, it's the playoffs. So... I think the Patriots are fucked. I think that their pass game sucks because we've seen that it sucks. It has no downfield element. And Mac Jones, all year people have been saying, oh, you know, Mac Jones, he takes care of the ball. He's so smart with it. He's accurate. But the problem is that he actually is one of the more turnover prone quarterbacks in the NFL. And he still hasn't learned how to handle pressure in the pocket. He's just bad. Shout out to Dave Latham, who finally changed his Twitter name back to Dave Latham, who was right about Mac Jones because he sucks. He's Mark Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what we've seen from him so far. And it's worked for him because of how strong their run game is. But because they played a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, they played a lot of bad teams as well. But it, it's, you know, once you get into the playoffs and you can scheme to one team and you go, all right, 
this team can't throw the ball. They can run, but if we make them throw, they're going to fuck up. You can craft your defense and your game plan exactly to that, and that's what the Bills are going to do. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones, who has been bad lately, has been okay across the entire year. So it's, you know, he's in a slump, but it's not like some unheard of, oh, okay, he's going to get it. He'll come out of it because he's just not that much better than even what he's been doing. And it's going to be really cold. It's just a lot of factors. The same way we were talking about that the Bengals and the Raiders are a bad matchup. This is kind of a bad matchup for Mac. And like the Bills defense right now, their biggest weakness is that they have no cornerbacks left, right? Their cornerbacks are shit, but it doesn't matter because the Patriots can't threaten your cornerbacks. Now, next week, that's going to matter. And the Bills are a team that I'm actually kind of low on in the playoffs. But the Patriots, it's like the it's like the Bills are Achilles and the Patriots don't know what an ankle is or a heel, which is part of the ankle. Don't, whatever. You fucking know what I mean. The Patriots are afraid of feet and this they're playing Achilles. So they're not going to go down there. I, on the I other like side, that. that was, sure. Uh, that was nice. Yeah. It was real smooth doing terrific yeah i i agree with you on these points do you want to move to uh bill's offense versus the patriots defense because i feel like that's where the meat of this matchup is yeah and i want to start off by just talking about what the bills have done lately i um i didn't i didn't get to grade the game and i didn't watch it as thoroughly as i would like but while i was in mexico week 17 at the sports bar i was in there was a lot of buffalo fans imagine that people from canada and northern new york want to get to mexico in january but uh, one of the TVs was trained on Bills Falcons, which was a game way too close for their comfort or mine because I had the Bills money line in a parlay. But uh, that game was snowing. It was gross out. It was cold, giving the Bills a little bit of a taste of what they'll be seeing Saturday night, which I think is actually kind of important. Like they've done this. They're ready for this, whereas the Patriots kind of haven't. And as many new players as they have, most of them are not cold weather players. Anyhow. Nelson Aguilar has mostly been a dome player and an L.A. kid his whole life. Uh, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, these are warm weather players. Mac Jones from Florida has never seen snow until this year. So I, I think that the Bills have a very small, probably insignificant advantage because they played in the snow. I also think that the Bills have been struggling to put away teams that they can dominate lately in the Jets and the Falcons. And I can't imagine that they're unaware of their lack of intensity and discipline lately. I have to imagine that with the playoffs coming up and their hated rival coming to town, they know what they're up against and they know that they have to bring their A game, even though they kind of don't. And then, oh, another thing, since the wind game, the Bills have been running Josh Allen a lot, even against the Jets and Falcons. So you're going to see a lot of quarterback runs. I would say Josh Allen over rush yards might be helpful for your pocket. And like JC Jackson can only take away one dude. I don't exactly. I don't know how the fucking Patriots hang in this game. I don't know how it's close. Yeah, that that's the one thing I got into is the Patriots really it's just JC Jackson for them in the secondary. That's significant. And so in theory, if he can run with Stefan Diggs and shut him down, the Bills still have a lot of guys. That's also not his style. Yeah. I think, you know, Stefan will still have a, will still get his catches. Like this isn't going to be Rebus Island where Stefan Diggs taken out of the game. Um, but JC Jackson's still a good corner. That's going to be able to run with him and give him some fits. And he's not going to be wide open to break the game for the bills, but you still have guys that have had really good years with Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley. Uh, was it Gabriel Davis? Mm-hmm. And Emmanuel Sanders put in a pretty good year too, didn't he? 
Are all these guys healthy as well? I don't know about Emmanuel Sanders. I do know that Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley have both been really good out of the slot, and they're both healthy, and Cole Beasley is well-rested because he played a joke on all of us uh, with his COVID COVIDiacy. Whatever. I mean, fucking joke's on us. Cole Beasley lasts last because he can't be tested for the rest of the season, and he got a couple weeks rest as a veteran late in the year. So, whatever. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders PFF has as a 66 grade rounding up. Uh, he's been mostly fine game to game, nothing to write home about, but a solid player to have. Uh, Dawson Knox is back healthy. Uh, like I said, Cole Beasley is healthy. Isaiah McKenzie is healthy. Gabriel Davis is healthy. Yeah. They, so I guess Emmanuel Sanders returned to practice today. Um, so they're having the conversation who's going to start, but I was going to say, I thought he was hurt. Yeah. That was where I was like, wait, now that I say his name. Um, another thing is that the bills offensive line is getting back healthy and it looks like they might have to, the one spot, it looks like, um, Ford is going to be out at left guard. Wait, doesn't Ford play? It looks like they're going to have to start a backup at left guard. I think Ford actually plays right tackle. I don't know why the fuck I said that. Um, Ryan Bates is going to be their left guard. I don't know who the fuck this is, but PFF says that he is a decent backup who's actually markedly good in pass protection. Sweet. Um, all you have to worry about when you play the Patriots anyways is Judon coming around the edge. And I think that Deion Dawkins is a perfectly fine matchup for him. I, I you know, I'll take that. And then, uh, frankly, I don't think Matt Judon's that fucking good anyway. So I'm not actually worried at all. The linebackers for the Patriots are great at stuffing the run, but they can't cover for Dick. And then you've got Duggar and McCourty in the secondary. Duggar's a wild card. I hated him coming out because he was old and athletic, but had no idea how to play football and just terrible ball skills. His ball skills have gotten a lot better, but they're still kind of bad. Uh, every once in a while, he makes a great play on the ball, and I feel like I was wrong. But then I look at his overall season production, and I'm like, actually, he is in position and still gets beaten a lot. Um, Devin McCourty is an ageless fucking wonder, and I don't, I don't I get it him. either. I don't know how he's still playing at such a high level, but I love Devin McCourty, and I always have since his rookie year. And for the last like three years, I've been like, okay, Joe. This is the year you got to like take a breath and just let Devin McCourty go because there's no way he can still be good. And then he's still good. But something up in that water in New England keeps guys uh, keeps guys going. Boston does have decent water of the cities I've lived in. I'd say Boston is probably well, no, Chicago's water sucks now. So I guess Boston's number one water in America for me. I, I, I still think Seattle is the best tap water. I've ever I haven't had. been to Seattle, but it's yeah. I, I remember I went there. I was like, oh, I got to fill up a cup. And I drank out of it thinking, you know, just it's going to be water. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they should bottle this. Um, they do. I think that's Dasani. Well, there it is. Um, yeah. So my my biggest thing for the Bills offense against Patriots defense is are the Bills going to turn the ball over three times? Because if they don't, then I think this is going to be a runaway game for the Bills. They're going to be able to score almost at will. Not at will, but they're going to be able to score a lot. The only way the Patriots stay in is if they get a bunch of turnovers. I think I saw a stat that in the Patriots' losses, they have like four turnovers, and in their wins, they have like 26 turnovers. And it's because their offense isn't any good, right? And so they rely on the defense to create turnovers, and if they're not able to create the turnovers, they're not going to win. Now, Josh Allen, obviously, you always worry about turnovers with him because as exciting as he is, he is also kind of dumb sometimes. And yeah. whether it's 
whether it's errant, you know, misplaced confidence that he can do anything because he does have a cannon attached to his shoulder and can run and get out of a lot of stuff. He does have a tendency to go chuck balls or run backwards. He's limited that a lot this year, but I always worry about that with him. So that's where I think that's the only way the Patriots defense keeps up with it is if they can trick him into throwing some picks. You know, the way you said the Patriots D-line, they're not really going to get much of a, a pass rush, especially Christian Barmore. I mean, I don't I know they had an MRI on him. They said it wasn't serious, but I don't know if he's playing. Dude, if he's playing, he's half the man he was. And he's a fucking rookie. He's not he's going to be good one day, not great. And he's not good yet. He's helpful. Yeah, I think he's his pass rush has been solid this year has been the biggest thing from him. And so that might be one of the things that can help create some of the turnovers. But outside of that, and you know, it's kind of Judon. And then just hoping Josh Allen doesn't get baited into a, a bunch of picks. And, you know, maybe this, I don't have numbers behind it or why I think, I just don't think they're going to be able to get three picks out of him, especially, or three turnovers out of the Bills offense, especially with how much the Bills have been running with Josh Allen. I mean, even in that Falcons game, they ran a ton with Devin Singletary. Obviously that's not going to happen in this game, but Bills are going to limit the amount of, you know, high percentage turnover situations just because they're smart and they know that the only way they lose this game is if they turn the ball over a bunch. Yeah. I I don't think you can go into any game thinking three turnovers unless there's a specific matchup advantage and a quarterback who throws those turnovers. Like Josh Allen is a turnover prone quarterback, but a lot of JC Jackson's picks are on two different kinds of plays because he's got incredible ball skills and he is a genius. He's not smart enough to know to stop arm dropping but he is a football genius. Uh, scenario one where J.C. Jackson gets an interception is jump balls because like Trevon Diggs, it, it, those two dudes just have NFL wide receiver contested catchability and they will go up and steal a ball. The second one is J.C. Jackson is a wizard at breaking off his own coverage, Marcus Peters style, you know, uh, Asante Samuel senior style and picking off a ball that's kind of lightly thrown to a player nearby. Josh Allen, for all his warts, throws the ball so motherfucking hard that I cannot imagine J.C. Jackson has the range or the quickness of instinct even to ad-lib, break off of one of his assignments and glom onto a different receiver to make the interception. I just don't see it happening. I also don't see defensive tackles Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley playing linebacker and picking off Josh Allen because Josh Allen does throw linebacker picks fairly often, but those two dudes are so fucking slow and so fucking big and so fucking bad in coverage that it's just not going to happen. Exactly. You know, you you do worry a little bit about Devin McCourty might be in there making opportunistic stuff. Kyle Duggars had a good year, but even he's talked about he doesn't have incredible ball skills. He's more of a, you know, see ball, get ball, run downhill after people. J.C. Jackson, you do worry about obviously but again it just is is the odds seem very low to me that they're going to be able to create that many and then once we get into that the Patriots offense is going to have to keep up with the Bills offense which I just don't think can happen I don't know I don't have anything else to say about this one not a lot to say I feel about confident it. in it it's a fucking blowout mismatch to a greater extent than the game previous I think we move on yeah we let's get into money. Sunday on Sunday afternoon, well, I guess at noon, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are minus eight and a half. This is tough because, first of all, the Eagles are terrible. 
And second of all, I'm sorry, shout out to Evan. The playoff bound Philadelphia Eagles are terrible. Playoff I don't think bound I don't Philadelphia think that, Eagles. Yes. I promised him I would say that. Um oh, I saw. I legitimately don't believe that the Eagles have beaten a team with a winning record yet. I, you know, I can't fact check you on that. I wouldn't be shocked if that was true. So here's my thing is I'm scared. I'm scared of betting Tampa Bay minus eight and a half, but clearly it's the right play. And frankly, I don't even want to go in depth on the Eagles roster because they're out of the playoffs already. It is that much of a slam dunk. Um, The Eagles only can move the ball when they run or it's garbage time. It is never garbage time in the playoffs. So we need to get that out of the way right away. It's never garbage time in the playoffs. And that means that the Eagles have to run. Nobody runs on the Buccaneers, period. They do not want you to, and they are good at stopping you. So they play a little bit of that regressive style of football where they will actually look to take away the run first. And against the Eagles, that is ideal. Um, The Buccaneers are finally getting a little bit healthy again on defense. Um, At the beginning of the year, they had no corners, and then slowly they added corners back. Jamel Dean is iffy for this game, but it looks like the Bucs are going to have basically their starting defense out there. I don't think the Eagles score 13 points. I think they might score exactly 13 points. I don't think they score more. Um, Additionally, I got to imagine Tom Brady's going to stat chase with all the fucking MVP hoopla going on, people talking shit. And finally, they played earlier this season when the Bucs were hurt, and the Buccaneers won by six? Six, 28 to 22. Oh, you're right. It was a Thursday night game. I, we watched it together. I had the Bucks minus six and a half because yeah. I got a bad number while I was traveling. Yeah, because it was the week that I flew from L.A. to Chicago. I got a bad number because I was traveling, wanted to lock it down before I got on the plane. And I lost by a half point because I'm a bitch. Also, I was looking at their record. I The only team the Eagles beat that I think ended with a winning record was the Saints. Was it? What week was it? Uh, it was later in the year. Are you asking about the quarterback? Because it was Simeon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but other than that, you know, they they beat teams in their division, but not the Cowboys. Um, they beat the Falcons, the Panthers, the Lions, the Broncos, the Saints, the Jets. Like, they, they didn't play anybody. Now, don't get me wrong. They still, you know, play off-bound Philadelphia Eagles. I'm actually very happy for them because I think Nick Sirianni might actually be a good coach because he was able to find a functional offense out of Jalen Hurts who just cannot throw the football. Um, and I think it's fun when the Eagles are good, just because, I don't know, I, I enjoy it. But, or, you know, the Eagles are in the playoffs. But they don't belong there. It's just there was nobody else. And I agree, we don't need to get into the the whole breakdown. I don't love eight and a half, but I think it's still worth it because you're right, they're not going to be able to run. Even with their strong offensive line and their very heavily tilted towards the run offense that's been successful and has been, you know, kind of that zig when everyone else zags type deal of they just run like crazy and bully you. The Bucks match up really well for that. They're healthy on defense or, you know, about as healthy as you're going to get this late in the season. And then you get to the other side of Tom Brady and, you know, they, they won't have Chris Godwin. They're going to have everybody else back between Mike Evans, Gronk, Fournette, and, you know, all the all the other role player, Tyler Johnson, and all of them that can still go and create. And Darius Slay has had an awesome year. He's very good. He I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a pick in this game or, you know, has some really nice plays. And some of the depth pieces in that secondary for the Eagles have played well. Um, but you're still going against Tom Brady, who should win the MVP. 
And it's just a huge talent disparity on top of being it's in Tampa. They're going to be at home and you're not going to have to worry about any weather for the Florida boys. It's a big number, but it's an even bigger disparity between these two teams. I think eight and a half is the right choice. Yeah, I, I don't know what else there is to say. What, I don't know if I would bet on it with a clear head, but I'll tell you what will happen descriptively. Uh, this is, again, not prescriptive, just descriptive. I'm going to win both of my bets on Saturday. I'm going to feel rich as fuck, and I'm going to throw $1,000 on the bucks just because fuck you, that's why. Go Tom Brady. That's what will happen. Um, I think it's a little curious that this is the exact same line that the uh, Buccaneers faced last year when they played against the Redskins in the wild card round. And I think the Buccaneers covered. See, I thought that was like the closest game they had in the playoffs. I think it was. But uh, I, you know, the Bucks of last year are very different than the Bucks of this year. Why? In that, well, I was just saying they were still kind of figuring things out last year. I agree. Um, like that, it, I think that we saw them improve because they finally hit their stride, and it was in the playoffs. But they've kind of hit their stride. The only thing this year has been injuries have been a problem for them. But they've even had better play calling this year. You know, it's still a little frustratingly conservative, but that's loosened up a little bit. Gronk is fully Gronk is fully back. I mean, he had a great year. And when Tom has that connection, everything opens up for him. Uh, it's why their offense was so crazy. I mean, he threw for what, like 5,200 yards, 5,400 yards, something. They throw the ball like nonstop to all kinds of different people. It succeeds on all in all phases of the game, whether it's, you know, short passes and screens to the intermediate all the way deep down the field. They're clutch as hell. They're playing really well right now, at least offensively. Um, so I don't think there's really much else to say here. I think Bucks, let's go, and uh, it should be fun. I uh, I'm happy the Phil the playoff bound Philadelphia Eagles have some excitement this year, especially after you know everyone kind of shit on them, said they hired the worst guy of the available crew and Sirianni, and he put together a great year. I, I would like to offer my apologies because I shat on them. I thought that Nick Sirianni would be shit. I, in retrospect, I had no reason to believe that other than being a dick. Um, no, I mean, he was unexperienced and I hadn't heard of him. And every time I hear of an unexperienced offensive guy who I haven't really heard of, I think, oh, he sucks. And the last time I did that was Sean McVay. So maybe I should really stop doing that. I've kind of stopped trying to predict coaches at all um, after well, the, the main one that really kicked it off was when I got excited that the Browns hired Hugh Jackson. And it was the same thing of Doug Peterson got hired and everyone was like, huh, Eagles, idiots, hire this dude. And then he won a Super Bowl. Again, it was probably a lot of because of his assistance, but that's part of the game. And since then, I'm like, you know, we don't really know shit about these head coaches when they get hired, unless it's a retread. But for the most part, like, we don't know how they run a team, if they're going to be able to craft an offense or a defense that actually fits their talent, or they're going to try and push people into their scheme like Brandon Staley has done. And why he struggled with their defense, despite being a defensive guru, in air quotes. Um, so I stopped guessing on coaches. I kind of just am along for the ride and go, oh, that's fun. He ended up good. And yeah, there are exceptions. Joe Judge and Matt Rule. I was like, yeah, these guys will suck. They don't actually know football. They just come in and are like, yeah, we're going to play hard. We're going to play fast. All right. Aside from our eating crow for Evan's sake, basically. Um, Oh, oh, one other thing. I think the Eagles would be good when they get a quarterback. I just hope that they're smart enough to get a quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. What I am kind of scared of is they're going to take, because they have three first-round picks this year. Yep. And they have the ammo to trade for a quarterback if they want to. Oh, no. And so, 
I'm kind of scared that they're going to trade all their picks for Russ. And that would be hilarious. Be upset when like he does the same thing he's done the last two years of like, you know, occasionally being really exciting, but largely being just bad. 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 Yeah. Um, especially because that means then the Eagles won't be able to get, you know, either more receivers or reinvest in their lines as guys are getting older. I would come my fucking shorts if they traded for Russell Wilson and then the offensive line that everybody knows is very good all of a sudden starts giving up tons of sacks and everybody's like, huh, wait a second. Now, in reality, what they'll what they'll do is they'll be like, I guess Lane Johnson's just old and Kelsey's just old. They suck now. I don't know. Russell Wilson has to be good because I decided that a long time ago based on nothing. Exactly. It'd be like, hey, Russ won a Super Bowl and I've seen him make a lot of really cool plays before. Just because he throws shit tons of picks and creates 15 sacks a season conservatively, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Dude, have he you even cool been defense. on Sports Channel's Snapchat lately? Like, it's half <laughs> Russ plays. He's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a, a little bit what I'm scared of. So like I said, I like the Eagles. Um, and I think they could really turn a corner uh, with three first-round picks on a team that actually is already playing well. But we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that's enough uh, kissing Evan's ass for the sake of kissing Evan's ass. Why don't we hit a commercial break and then get to the rest? All right, I have fixed my toilet. We can move on to Sunday afternoon games. This one is interesting. Yeah, so at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus three. I hate both of these teams. Um, okay, so I don't know where I fall on this game, but it's minus three, so I will definitely bet one of the sides. It's actionable. When you get a line that we have enough time to devote, if you, if you have all the time in the world to think about it, you should bet every game minus three. You should have an opinion on every game minus three if you think about it long enough. Obviously, in the regular season, I'm not going to do that for Jaguars-Texans. But here, I will. So, shall we start with the Cowboys offense versus the 49ers defense? I think so. I think that's where it's going to be most interesting. In order to do that, which is some pretty seriously high-level shit, I would like us to start with kind of a square way of looking at things. Not because it's informative, but because it's a legitimate question. Which team has a better quarterback? The Cowboys do. Are we sure, though? I I think it's it's closer than a lot of people may think. Because I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Dak's on a slight edge. I'm in the same boat. I like I don't like Dak, but I think Dak is fine, even though he's struggled this year. Um, it's so remember Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. He is bad. Remember when Dak's problem was? Oh, he just looks bad because his receivers are hurt, and then they came back, and even we were like, oh, they're gonna look good again. And then they kind of, they did for like a week and then they didn't ever again. They had, they had the game where Dak threw the fucking, he threw the interception to allow the Redskins to tie the game. They just didn't because of a Kyle Allen fumble a drive later. Um, I had the Cowboys, but if I didn't, that would have been painful because I would have loved to see Kyle Allen beat Dak Prescott. So the media could just fucking implode. Um, Holy shit, PFF has Dak Prescott eighth? Another reason to not give a fuck about PFF's quarterback rankings. Right, because it's just the back to the same thing of if you complete your checkdowns, PFF will fucking love. And Dak completes his checkdowns. So if Dak Prescott were actually a top 15 quarterback, I think you have to go Cowboys. Because Cowboys offense has a good offensive line. It might be great. 
Um, I actually am way higher on Connor Williams than the Cowboys are, and the national media seems to be. PFF has him at the 11th ranked guard in the league, and even I think that's a little high, but I love Connor Williams. I have since he was at Texas. Um, and then the, their whole right side from L. Collins to Martin to Biotish, I really like. Biotish has been a decent center, taking over for Travis Frederick. Good for him. Um, left tackle, if it's Tyron Smith, awesome. If it's not and it's Steele, like, okay it's not it's not the worst thing he's a good swing tackle uh so that'll neutralize the 49ers probably greatest strength on defense which is is their rush um street jones and armstead are a force on the inside and then bosa is really good on the edge and ebucam exists he is just enough to be a starter i don't think that i think the trenches are at least a wash dallas might even have the fucking edge no pun intended yeah, I mean, Nick Bosa is going to get pressure because he's he's been very good this year. I, I think he's come back really well. I, I thought he might, you know, struggle a little bit just because when you, you're that explosive like he is and that much weight, it can take a little bit for the knee to get back and everything. But he's been great this year. But he's um, been better this year than I thought he would ever be in the NFL. Yeah, but he is going to be going against Lyle Collins and on the same side that Zach Martin is. Exactly, and they can kick over. Exactly. So he's their biggest strength. And again, Eric Armstead and Jones are not slouches that you can just like forget about. You still have to account for them and they can do damage. But the majority of it is going to be if you stop Nick Bosa, you're going to be able to give your team a lot of help. And they're well suited to stop Nick Bosa. They have the the strengths on the right side. So let's call the line a wash and let's say that theoretically Dallas won't run the ball particularly well. Because Zeke kind of, he's not done, but next year he'll be done. And then he's trending that way very quickly. Yeah. He was always a speed back with power. Like he he was built like a speed back, but he played like a power back. And now he's just a power back. He's lost the speed and he's not powerful enough. Um, He's done. He's fucking done. And that's what it is. But it doesn't matter. The next level, the second level for the 49ers, if they had their way, the 49ers would play 4-3 all day because they have three good linebackers. Warner is great. Uh, he's actually he had a bad first half of the year, but he's back. He's great, and they got Greenlaw, and they got uh, oh fuck, what is? I forget his fucking name. It's like El Shair or some shit. It's something Arabic sounding. Well, he's good, but it seems he might be hurt, which means that Greenlaw is going to be their nickel. Dre Greenlaw is going to be their second nickel uh, linebacker. That's not good. That actually might open up opportunities for Dalton Schultz. The real issue is that we've already listed all of the good players for the 49ers on defense. Their secondary is so shit. Jimmy Ward is the only player in the secondary who deserves to start on an NFL team. And while he is a good, not great free safety, who's he going to cover? He can't fucking cover C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper. And Lord knows he can't cover Cedric Wilson's deep speed. I, they're fucked. If, the, if Dak Prescott can just make his reads, which he's good at making reads, and actually put the ball on his receivers, they're going to score as many points as they want. Now, Dak hasn't done that in a month or two. It, that's why I asked, is Dak as good as Jimmy Garoppolo? Because that is the only thing preventing the Cowboys from scoring 30. Yeah. Also, I looked up Aziz El Shair, I think is who you're thinking of. Did, wait, uh, did I say El Shadik or something? It, you I just don't know how close I was. You were close. We could probably go back and check the recording. I think it sounded close, but I, I don't have the greatest ear for those names either. So I'll um, take a victory he, lap. 
so he he did not practice at all last week he got in a thumb injury at the end of December um he didn't practice at all he was questionable for that game I don't think he played obviously um so and they haven't released anything yet this week about their injury report so we won't know I think he'll play yeah I I would bet he'll play it's the playoffs if he was questionable last week but you're 100% right in that Jimmy Ward is the only guy, but it's not like you're manning him up on anyone. Cool. It's going man, man to him be... up on CD Lamb. You're, that, that's your probably be, your best bet is to put him on CD Lamb because he can take away CD Lamb's possession threat, but CD Lamb's yards after the catch threat is still there, and Amari Cooper is now running wild. Yeah, and I mean Cedric Wilson has been great since Gallup went down too. I I think I said it week two. I love Cedric Wilson. He would be number, he'd be the number one wide receiver on the Browns. I fucking love him. And frankly, I think he's their second best receiver behind only Lamb. He's, he's really good. And I'll be interested to see what happens with their wide receiver room in the offseason, but that's conversation for another day. Uh, the, they're going to be able to pick apart this secondary. It, it won't even be close. Guys are going to be running wide open. Assuming Nick Bosa isn't ending Dak's life, he'll really just have to is. make the throws. He just has to make throws. Like, he won't even have to make reads. Man, did you watch that throws. Arizona game, though? Yeah. He, he, he's he been bad. He's struggled. And then we can't take anything from the Philadelphia game because it was backups. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he didn't particularly impress me in the first half of that game either. He wasn't bad at all. But against backups, like, I wasn't like, holy fuck, he's hitting everything. So it's been literally five, six weeks since Dak Prescott showed us he can be a competent starting quarterback. He hasn't hit the Dak line. Yeah, I mean, his stats still come out really good, though, and they still score points. Like, you know, if you go across their last handful of games, we won't count Eagles. The Cardinals, they scored 22. And he's the sole reason that they didn't score 38. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, he still had three touchdowns and completed, like, 65% of his passes. But I think he had two fumbles and a pick. Uh, let me see. He had, he didn't have any picks. But it must have been a pick a bowl. But he did have three fumbles. They only lost. But yep. he, he put the ball on the ground three times. Um, so that is an issue, but they're still scoring in spite of that. You know, Washington, I mean, they scored 56 against Washington. A few of them on defense. Mm-hmm. They scored 21 against the Giants, which actually isn't very good. It's kind of then bad. they scored 27 against Washington the time before. 27 <laughs> against the Saints. And then they lost to the Raiders in overtime, scoring 33. They scored nine against the Chiefs the week before that. But I think now we're getting into when they didn't have any receivers. Um, so they've still been scoring, even though he hasn't been great. And I think, you know, with how big the difference is of the Cowboys receivers, because they have four legitimate receiving options that are good. And the 49ers have one safety. Yeah. And Kellen like Moore is a genius. And Kelmore's really good. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Dak still fucks up this game and has some plays or some mistakes that you're like, dude, what are you doing that holds the team back? But I think with how many opportunities they'll have to score, because I think they're going to have a shitload of opportunities to score, it won't sink them unless the 49ers just explode on them. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, I, think, I don't I feel good about going like, all right, Dak, you kind of sucked a little bit, but like, we're, we're hoping you don't this time. I, it's kind of just to like, don't single-handedly ruin the game. Well, okay. I was about to get on board with you. And then I realized one thing. I have a, I have an old saying that I've never been able to break out 
for the podcast, but it's something I say all the fucking time. It's one of, I say it about as much as I say bet on football games. Scheme fades in the cold. Scheme fades in the playoffs, even when it's warm in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Scheme What's won't save you. Scheme will not save you in the playoffs. It is pumpkin season. It is motherfucking pumpkin season. Now, what does pumpkin season mean? When a quarterback who is heavily inflated by scheme, not even cast, just scheme, reaches the playoffs, that quarterback usually comes back to earth. They look like what they really are. The carriage turns back into a pumpkin. Now, a few examples, maybe. Tim Tebow. And you say, but Tim Tebow won a game. Dude, Tim Tebow looked fucking terrible in those playoffs. And as mad as he always looked, I mean, he got by. You can't, you can't just hide a quarterback in the playoff. Uh, another example of scheme fading in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson's career. Alex Smith, no matter where he was. You just, in the playoffs, coaches are too good. Teams are too good. Things are too competitive. Coaches have way too much time to focus. You can't fake it. Eventually, talent wins out. And we've talked about a couple quarterbacks who I think are overrated, but really Dak Prescott is the first case of scheme propelling him to the play in the playoffs, like to the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that Kellen Moore, as great an offensive coordinator as he is, will struggle to push Dak further than he deserves to go. Now, luckily, I think that the cast in Dallas is so good that it won't matter a ton. And the wild card round is a little different from the rest of the playoffs scheme doesn't fade as much in the wild card round shit happens in the wild card but before well while we move on as much as i would love to say dak prescott will turn back into a pumpkin and fuck the cowboys jimmy garoppolo is also a pumpkin verbal meme it's the spider-man meme where they're pointing at each other but they're actually both pumpkins and then their jerseys are jimmy garoppolo and dak prescott yeah that's the other part that I go into of why I think I'm going to end up betting on the Cowboys is because even if Dak has some turnovers and everything, you then have to go to the 49ers have to score a bunch of points. And they do run the ball incredible. I mean, they have they have a good offensive line and Kyle Shanahan will always be able to run the ball. But just as you just talked about, scheme won't save you. And when your scheme is we need to run the ball and manufacture these touches in the short game for Kittle and Debo and even use check that won't be as open as it is in the regular season they're still going to get it because those guys are too talented to not create something but you're going to have to rely on garoppolo i can't even say his name that's why i just say galapagos it it, galapagos just he doesn't have it he doesn't have it nothing in his career has ever showed that he's going to be able to overcome the closest he had was to cinderella year where he had the opportunity to win those games uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. He could have won that game, but he's still just, he's just not good enough. No. He's a, a quarterback that you can start and he's not going to sink your team, but he's not going to win you anything either. Mm-hmm. And then he gets awesome metrics because Kyle Shanahan is really fucking good, manufactures a ton of yards after the catch. But again, yeah, no. The quarterbacks are a wash at most optimistic for the 49ers. And then as brilliant as Kyle Shanahan is, and he is. I actually think this is kind of a bad matchup for him against Dallas's defense, assuming Dallas is healthy. I think they will be. Because didn't everybody that missed last week miss with COVID, or at least like quote-unquote COVID? Let me I know that uh, Micah Parsons was out for COVID, and he'll be back. And Micah Parsons is going to have a fucking day. 
because this is exactly what you draft Micah Parsons for. Like before they knew that they were going to kick him down to defensive end and he would be a dominant defensive end, they drafted him because they thought, well, he's fast as fuck and he can tackle good. He's great against the run. They're going to have him and Leighton Vander Esch, two linebackers who are not only good linebackers, but especially against the run. And then they're going to have their fierce defensive line. If you want to beat the Cowboys, you spread them out and throw. And you throw quickly because they have they have corners that play off coverage. I mean, they play man-to-man, but they give you a cushion. You want to throw quickly against the Cowboys defense so that their defensive line can't get at you. You want to force their linebackers and safeties to cover instead of coming up. That is the opposite of what the 49ers are going to do. I, I, just, I just wrote it down. I like Dallas. I like Dallas a lot for the matchup. I think so, too. I mean, you do worry because Dallas has a little bit of the same thing that the 49ers do on defense, that their front seven's really good, and then their secondary is dog shit. Oh, it's so bad. But I, I do think that Diggs is well-suited to handle Debo Samuel, because let's face it, the entire passing game for the 49ers is Debo Samuel and then scheming other dudes open with creative play calls. Mm-hmm. I think that for all Trevon Diggs' warts, and he has a lot of warts as a cornerback, I think he sucks. But the way to mitigate his weaknesses is to put him on a possession receiver like a Debo Samuel or an AJ Brown because you can't really get contested catches on him and he isn't a great tackler but he's a better tackler than he is a runner he's slow and Debo Samuel's a lot of things but blazing fast isn't necessarily one yeah I think that'll be a solid matchup I mean Debo's gonna get his because they they manufacture too much for him and you know all their gadget plays because that's one thing Shanahan is elite at is he knows how to get guys the ball he knows how to put the ball in his playmaker's hand regardless of who's playing quarterback or whatever it is um but Debo is you know he's kind of a running back playing wide receiver he's got that stocky build where he's 215 pounds and Trevin Diggs is, is his issue is that he, you know he doesn't have the speed to keep up with people he's a gambler but he can kind of he can stick with people um in terms of what you were saying, the contested catches. Because if he's, he's also not good on a run, nine route, you don't want to try to run a go ball on him. Yeah. And and so that's a lot of what Debo's gonna do. Now, when they give him the screens and you know their end arounds and everything, he's then you have issues. But that's where your fast good linebackers come in. I was gonna say that's what Michael Parsons is made for. Yeah. And you know, Kittle has come on as the year has gone on. I and mean, he's still obviously a great blocker. But he wasn't really involved in the past game. He's gotten more involved and been successful in the past game as the season has continued. Ayuk has his moments. He's still, you know, super athletic and occasionally does things. It's just as long as he can catch the ball and actually run the route. But he's not enough to really change anything for us. So it's kind of just Debo or nothing in the past game. And I think the main part is it goes back to Galapagos. He's going to have to try and win this game for them. And they don't have the passing they don't have the passing ability. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, as we say this, I'm looking it up, and the Cowboys actually have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league on a yards per carry basis. Um, they are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They are the eighth worst in between the Patriots and Chargers, which is not where you want to be. However, if you just go by yards, they're right in the middle of the pack. So that's nice. And it does seem that they give up a ton of big runs relative to the rest of the league. So that is going to be a little skewed, but I don't feel, well, no, here's why these stats are wrong. I should have known not to look at stats. They mean nothing. They played almost the entire year without DeMarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory 
And because they did that, they had Michael Parsons playing defensive end, where he's not a great run blocker. Now he's playing linebacker, where he's a great run stopper. So throw these stats right the fuck out the window. Stick with the player evaluations that we know how to do. I don't think the 49ers are moving the ball. And frankly, the 49ers couldn't move the ball against the Rams last week until the Rams took their foot off the gas pedal and Jalen Ramsey busted a coverage. They Like, really, that game, the 49ers are not in the playoffs if Jalen Ramsey doesn't get toasted because he thinks he's clever on a fucking match zone coverage against Debo Samuel, where he leaves Debo Samuel wide open, either because he can't catch him and he knows that, or because he was just stupid and thought he was going to fucking take the low man on the high-low read. Fuck you, Jalen Ramsey. Just fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't, I wouldn't look, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried that Diggs will do the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> he's going to try and jump a route that may be very costly. Um, no, he will. But you know what won't happen? Dak Prescott won't underthrow a 50-yard streak by five yards because he thinks that he still has his arm. Yeah, that's a little sad on Stafford. But we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a fun game. I'm really excited to watch this one because I think it's going to be the 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 passing studs versus a team that's more built on the, the run game and the short game. I like Dallas. I just think they have too much firepower on offense. And although Dak has struggled this year, I still like him a lot more than I like Galapagos. Yeah. And, you know, unless Jimmy G is, you know, hitting hitting his stride because he did have a nice end of the game against the Rams. He he played he played well to get him through. And if he can continue that, maybe you have something. But overall, I think the Cowboys have the advantage at quarterback. They have the advantage uh, on their uh, offensive playmakers. And I think they you know, they're pretty close coaching wise. Cowboys are at home. Cowboys defense. Keep in mind that people were clamoring for Garoppolo to be benched at halftime until the Rams kind of fucking gave up. Yeah. Like the Rams let the 49ers back into that game by letting them score 17 points in a row before they actually tried on offense. So that game's a little bit fraudulent as well. I think we've beaten it like a dead horse, but yeah, not to overthink it. I'm going Cowboys. Me too. All right. Let's get on to the Sunday night game. (laughs) On Sunday night, we have the. Pittsburgh Steelers going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 13. Well, this one is a... Oh, boy. Um, So the the Steelers suck. They're terrible. And honestly, the entire AFC North deserves to go in the dumpster. Uh, Yes. Bengals kind of included. Like, they're clearly a rung above on the how fucking disgusting is it to watch this team spectrum. But uh, here's what I say. Let's let's save our breath. Find a way to parlay Tampa Bay minus anything less than six and Kansas City anything less than seven. And that is guaranteed money. Yeah. You know, I'm I, I was a little sad that the Steelers made it just because I thought it would be more fun to see the Chargers and Raiders both in instead of any combination of the Steelers, because the Steelers are a legitimately very bad team. Ben is an absolute corpse. Their offensive line is bad. Najee Harris does cool stuff. I like Deontay Johnson, but they're just not a good team. They don't deserve to be there. They just sucked a little bit less than the rest of the AFC North. I mean, nobody from the AFC North besides the Bengals deserves to even like have a chance at the playoffs. I'm happy. You can get not on Bovada. Now that New York has legal betting, I'm dabbling in the legal stuff because the bonuses are too good, but you can get chiefs minus six and a half and Buccaneers 
minus five and a half plus 112 and i will be doing that yeah i'll be looking at that as well um i yeah i guess if we go into this game just for a minute i think the only way the steelers win is if patrick mahomes throws six interceptions no we're not getting into this game we can talk about the chiefs we can break down the chiefs as a team so that we can analyze them for next week when they will play the second worst team so i guess they will be playing the bills it'll be bills chiefs Oh, yeah, it will. Bills Chiefs will be a fun game next week. Yes, um, it'll be a blast. Honestly, that's going to be such a blast, and the line is probably going to be like one or two. It might even be a pick. Uh, we'll just save that and go long next week. We'll skip over this game and go to the, the good game, the best game of the entire slate. Yeah, fucking Monday, baby. Make money. On Monday night. Yeah. One last time. I'm so excited. We have one, we have the main and cast. One, it's Monday night football for the playoffs. Uh, or I guess two, it's Monday Night Football for the playoffs, and three, it's going to be a good game. We have the and more Arizona Cardinals. No, four, fucking steak, baby. Fucking <laughs> Monday, baby. Yeah, fucking Monday. Fucking Monday. So we have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus four. You know, if you were looking for something to do with that drop-dead leg, you could take Chiefs minus three and bump that Rams line down to two and a half or three. You have yourself a nice little profit because the Rams are going to win this game and they might win it going away, even though I fucking hate the Rams, mostly because I love them so much. You ready for me to make sense of all that fucking jargon? Go for it. I mean, that made no sense, but it makes a lot of sense in my head. Now I'm going to bring you guys into my crazy little world. So at the beginning of the year, I decided that the Rams are the best team in the league because Sean McVay is a great coach. He's top five, probably. He's on the edge of top five, but he's top five. And Matt Stafford is probably the second best quarterback in the NFL. They've got a deep wide receiving core. Their offensive line is solid and their defense is very effective. I've been proven wrong on almost all of these things. Sean McVay is still a, he's somewhere between like three and seven as a coach, I think. Uh, But Cam Akers got hurt and their running game took a shit. And McVay, I mean, usually I don't give a care. I don't care at all about running. But when Sony Michelle is your starting running back, who sucks, and you run a Shanahan-style system that relies at least somewhat on the run, that's concerning for me. Now, if Cam Akers plays, which he actually could, he played a little bit last week. They might have just been saving him for now. If he plays, I really like the Rams. But if he doesn't, the Rams have disappointed me in the run game. Their offensive line has been banged up and shoddy because it turns out that around the age of 35, but definitely before the age of 42, Offensive linemen aren't that good anymore. Andrew Whitworth is okay. And that is a huge downgrade from being great forever. So their offensive line is okay. It's not a stalwart. And then their wide receivers went from being really deep and solid to Cooper Cup and then what? Because Odell Beckham is, yeah, I know he got the touchdowns and it looks really cool when he does it, but he still drops a lot of balls. He still can't be relied upon to run a route properly. He's never going to sell out for a catch except for that one amazing catch he made on fourth down against the Ravens. And I'll thank him forever for that. I don't love their wide receiving core. It's not multiple. I don't love their offensive line. I don't love their run game. And now I hate to say this because I've been a truther for 10 years. I don't think Stafford has it anymore. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not great. He's certainly not elite. I thought he was borderline elite. And I don't think he realizes on a personal level that physically he's a different guy. You see these interceptions coming when he tries to throw the ball off his back foot and it stays low, or he tries to go deep and it doesn't go quite as deep as he thought. He doesn't get the hang time he imagines he will. 
And then there's some interceptions where it's just his brain. But he's thrown like 10 pickable balls in the last two, three games. Three games. Yeah, he threw like five or six against Minnesota. He had like three against the Ravens. And then he had two or three more against the 49ers. It's fucking incredible how fucking... And it's not all his physicality. A lot of it is mental. But I think that his mental traits are being foggied by the fact that he doesn't know how to handle being a lesser physical talent it's like zach wilson zach wilson wasn't going to be that turnover prone at bu like byu he looked like a fine processor but then when he's not the most athletic dude on the field and he can't just win with his legs and his rocket arm things became difficult because he had to think in a different way and stafford has to think in a different way now it's causing him to eat sacks it's causing him to run into sacks it's causing him to underthrow balls it's causing him to panic and look for short routes that aren't there i'm really worried about it and again, this is a guy that I had pegged for the MVP. However, Arizona's defense sucks. I'm like, you can touch on my Stafford comments and my Rams offense comments, and then you can develop it further. But I had to get all that out. No, you're you're right. I mean, I was, I was very high on the Rams as well. I don't know if I was quite as high as you were, uh, just because it, it takes a while for guys to get in. Like, he, although it seemed like Stafford's a lot, I thought he was still very good. You never really know. And some of the the nightmares that you would have if you're a Rams fan coming into this year of what could go wrong, some of that has gone wrong. Exactly what you talked about of Stafford, especially of late, has has struggled. And it's not just physical stuff. It's also mental stuff. And it might be the mental stuff because of the physical things. But either way, he's throwing a ton of turnover-worthy balls. And it's not good when you're, like, hitting the hot streak of picks as you go into the playoffs. Here's my worry. Here's my worry. They had that three-game losing streak where all the losses were really disappointing. And then they got right against some bad teams. And then they laid eggs against three more bad teams. They should have lost to the crappy Ravens. They should have lost – well, they did lose to the 49ers, even though they probably shouldn't have. Like, they should have lost to the Vikings. They really – they haven't shown me anything in a really long time that indicates they can beat a good team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, their their defense is is solid. I know they grayed out really well in a lot of things, but they're inflated. Oh, it's so it's so absurd. They literally haven't had a decent performance against a good offense. They had one against the Cardinals. The second time they played the Cardinals, they played decent on defense, probably good. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, it's been they haven't been special. And so then, you know. Aaron Donald's going to make some exciting plays. He's going to wreck some drives. Jalen Ramsey will still make some really nice plays because he's so athletic and big. But their their defense is not the defense of last year where you have a lot of faith in them to go shut other teams down. And now you have the offense that's supposed to be the thing that floats this team, and you can't really trust the quarterback right now. You know, Cooper Cobb obviously is, is having an absurd year. He won the Triple Crown, probably going to win Offensive Player of the Year. OBJ has been good in the in the red zone and some of those money downs, but he's still only getting like what 35 yards a game. He's been pretty fucking okay. Like I I yeah, because I went and just to, as as a Browns fan, I wanted to see like, does he go to LA and explode again? Like, was it truly the Browns that are just toxic? And he's scoring touchdowns, but he's not really producing. I, I I did the math, and he's basically got the same stats as he did in Cleveland. Just he has touchdowns because he didn't have any touchdowns in Cleveland. He has, what, four or five since he's been with the Rams? Something like that. But he's getting a, a handful of targets, getting, you know, four or five catches. 
and it's for like 35 yards a game. Van Jefferson is kind of what we knew he was. He's he's fast and can go downfield sometimes, but not anyone you can count on. If yeah, if Cam Akers a, comes back, that's a big difference. But Van Jefferson's a good possession receiver who has some ability to run a go ball, but that's it. Yeah. Um, so their their offense is becoming very one-dimensional in that if it's not going to Cooper Cup or you know OBJ close to the goal line, they're not doing too much. Yeah, like okay. In the eight weeks that Odell Beckham, well, seven games, in the seven games that Odell Beckham's been with the Rams, his PFF grades have been above average in two or three games, depending on where you set average at. His best game is a 75 against Arizona, and then he had a 68 against Jacksonville and a 68 against Minnesota. I'm not writing home about those as his three best games. Oddly enough, he had a 90 against Arizona with Cleveland and a 76 against the Bears. So it seems like there's something about the Cardinals that Odell matches up really well against. He's played really well against them both times with two different teams. It's a good sign. It is a good sign. And I, I mean, he has been playing through injury this year a little bit, so there's really nothing to save it for anymore. The Cardinals' secondary is another shitty secondary. There's not a lot of good secondaries, but everybody's running two high shells, so they've been getting away with it this year. Um... Just talking matchups, uh, Chandler Jones had those five sacks week one and just wrecked the game, and then he kind of disappeared completely. And by kind of, I mean did. That's all they have on their defensive line. I mean, they have, you know, they have Golden. He's okay. But I, I, I mean, don't. J.J. Watt says he's going to play or is trying to play. One, how much of J.J. Watt? And two, was J.J. Watt really even good this year when he was healthy? Like, he was okay. I think he actually was pretty good. I think he, you know, we can go look up how he graded out and everything, but, you know, he wasn't obviously J.J. Watt of old or anything. He played uh, in the games he played this year. He was, wait, did he only play one game this year? No. Oh, I'm looking up his offensive stats. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. Oh, whoops. Yeah, so he played seven games this year, and he was solid. PFF's got him at a 79. Uh, he was a good pass rusher. He was a bad run defender. He wasn't a good tackler. And that's mostly because they had him playing defensive tackle. So that's that's where he always should have been. Um, sure. So we'll call it they have a good defensive tackle, very pedestrian edges, and then a second defensive tackle who will not be good. The Rams are fully healthy on the offensive line now. They've got okay offensive tackles like good offensive tackles like they are that's a solid pair Havenstein and Whitworth like they're not what they were but they're both fine I would start them on most any team um I know that you don't like to hear this but Austin Corbett is a good guard and Brian Allen is a solid center they're going to be able to double team JJ Watt if they want they're going to be able to stop that defensive line Stafford shouldn't be under much pressure it is tough to run against the Cardinals they have been able to stop the run uh, you know, Simmons and Collins and Hicks are good run-stopping linebackers because just because they're fast and big. Really disappointed in Simmons' ability to cover. I thought Isaiah Simmons would be a covering savant. It has been not good. Yeah, I he's a guy that I wonder because they still use him kind of funky. They don't use him right at all. Yeah, they, like they should use him different. And so I feel like that's part of why he hasn't been a game breaker because I thought he was going to be unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I thought, um, he, I thought he'd be Shaq Thompson. Yeah. 
I, I think he's going to be great. And like, I mean, he's been fine, but definitely underwhelming. And I think it's because they use him wrong, but it still doesn't change the fact that like he, he has the athletic tools to go run around and get shit done, but it's just not fully clicking for him. Um, like in any part of the game, because he's still, you know, kind of undersized if you're just talking about like a thumper and he hasn't been that coverage guy. He's fast, so he gets places and he, you know, beats guys to to spots that he needs to be in that can create a lot. But yeah, I mean, I they're those guys are solid. I'm not overly impressed by them, but you know what I'm I would do? not going to write it off as a weakness. I just realized. So we don't like how their linebackers cover and Buda Baker is wildly overrated. I think Tyler Higby is going to hit his over on receiving yards. I think, well, receive, I don't know if you should do yards or receptions, but he's going to get one. He's going to get at least one. Um, He's going to be open over the middle because they don't have linebackers. Buda Baker is going to be trying to help on Cooper cup and Higby is going to run free. I I like that. I really like that. Actually Um, with Robert Alford out the Cardinals secondary shit. Byron Murphy is a slot that is playing outside due to necessity. And again, Buda Baker is an okay safety. Marco Wilson might, I think he has potential. I actually think Marco Wilson could become a good corner, but he's not that yet. And all of them are kind of small. So I think Jefferson has the height advantage. That'll work out. I think Odell should just be able to get open by being better than people. Although you can never trust Odell. As much as I hate the Rams for fucking me, the Cardinals are a bad team that is playing worse lately. And I think that the Rams offense is going to move the ball. I really think that they are able to neutralize everything that the Cardinals do well. I think the return of J.J. Watt means nothing. I think the Rams will score 30 as long as Stafford doesn't give away 15. Yeah, this is one of those where even though we just spent like, I don't know how long talking shit about the Rams offense and how underwhelming it's been this year. Cooper Cup still won the fucking triple crown. Like he's, they still he's, score. he's a good receiver in a great system with a quarterback who is mostly awesome. And got to remember, Stafford's turnovers do not affect his wide receiver stats. Like if, if Matt Stafford throws a pick six that ruins the game, it just means he gets the ball back again and gets to throw it to Cooper Cup more. And when, when Matt Stafford's not turning the ball over, he's lights the fuck out. I mean, like, again, I've talked a lot of shit. Until about week eight, he was probably second place in my MVP race. He was the second best quarterback by performance, not even just projection. And then he kind of just kind of fell apart the last month. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, they, they have their issues, but the Cardinals defense is bad and they haven't been playing well. And so I think that's where the, where we eventually get to, of even if we don't love what the Rams are doing, they're still playing a bad defense and they still have guys that are really productive and have a lot of talent. Like again, OBJ doesn't get a ton of usage, but they're using him in money downs where it's like they can get him up for, Hey, you're not going to get the ball a bunch in between the twenties, but once we get into the red zone, you're a fucking guy. And it seems like they let him, you know, explode out and not have to worry about shit until he does that. And I think it works well for him and it works well for their offense. So I, th- I agree with you. They're going to be able to score. The, the next question is just, will the Cardinals be able to manufacture points and score on this Rams defense that we already talked about as being solid, but, nowhere near the juggernaut they were last year so i think we should start with jalen ramsey because any evaluation of the rams defense i think has to start with jalen ramsey jalen ramsey is a good cornerback too like he's a good second guy i like hey if you disagree you can skip i don't give a fuck but jalen ramsey is a good second corner unless 
he has a matchup advantage. And then he is elite. Jalen Ramsey has a matchup advantage against most possession receivers. Like Jalen Ramsey is built in a lab to cover A.J. Brown, theoretically Debo Samuel, even though he got roasted last week, New Hopkins, and A.J. Green. Shit like that. If they keep Jalen Ramsey on A.J. Green and they keep Darius Williams on, uh, fuck, what's his name? Dante Wesley? is Wesley. Antoine Wesley. Dante Wesley was a defensive back for the 06 Bears. Um, the deep cut right there. Yeah, he was very fast. I liked him in Madden 08. Um, so you keep Ramsey on A.J. Green. It's a perfect matchup for him, and I think he'll take Green right the fuck out of the game. You keep Darius Williams on Antoine Wesley, not Dante. Maybe his dad. I think that that takes Wesley out of the game because he's not actually very good. He's just tall. Now the game is going to come down to Deontay Deion or Dante Deion or whatever the fuck double D Deion against Christian Kirk, which is a bad matchup for the Rams. But the things that Christian Kirk does the best, quick routes over the middle and such, Kyler is terrible at because he's tiny and bad. The only thing I'm concerned with is what do you do about Zach Ertz? They could put Jalen Ramsey on Zach Ertz, but now they have nobody to go wide with on these wide receivers. I don't think that they're dumb enough to use a fourth corner against one of these wide receivers because they don't have good corners. I think they're probably going to stick. I think they're probably going to play a lot of zone, which they usually do against the Cardinals with good success. And I think to the extent that they match, it's going to be Taylor Rapp, which I don't love because Jordan Fuller's out. I think Zach Ertz is going to get his. I think that's going to be the prop of this game. Yeah. Because Zach Ertz, I mean, he got a little bit phased out in Philly, but since he's gone to the Cardinals, he's the same thing he's been for the last handful of years, which is he is, you know, you don't really want him to block ever, but he's a great receiver and he's a big body that gets open. And the Rams don't have anyone that can really run with it um, outside of Ramsey, but you already covered that. I think Taylor Rapp is a fine, strong safety. I hate him in a matchup with Zach Ertz. I think that's a, a very big <laughs> advantage for Ertz and the Cardinals. Uh, the thing that I'm looking at that I think will be important for this game or one of the turning things is the offensive line for the Cardinal because it's not very good. You know, it doesn't need to be very good when you have Kyler because he does have the, you know, the escapability and everything. But when it comes to James Conner has been big for them this year. And the run game has really helped out with some of the injuries they've had when Kyler has kind of shit the bed in some games. I think that line's going to get a little beat up. Um, you yeah. know, obviously Aaron Donald is an absolute force that kind of just gets into that fatigue point of people forget how incredibly dominant he is because he he should be, you know, a defense player of the year guy every single year, whether he wins it but he should be in the conversation every single year because he's it's, downright it's the, dominant. It's the Tom Brady thing. We're like, yes, Tom Brady should be MVP every year, but that's not fun. Not only exactly. is Aaron Donald winning every year, not fun, but he's a defensive tackle. So like, it looks like, oh, his stats are all much worse than, you know, a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt. And it's like, yeah, dude, they're supposed to be like a third as good, not three fourths as good. Like, Exactly. He he's, he's an absolute animal and I think he's gonna brutalize that line. And then additionally on the edges, you know, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd are not exactly run stuffing guys or even necessarily that special anymore. Floyd but is actually played, good against the run. They they've played well this year and played well recently. Von um, Miller has gotten better actually the last few weeks. Which is good. Very, very good for them because I think a lot of what you need with Kyler is you need your good edges that can get out there quick and seal. And Floyd and Miller both are fast. They're going to be able to, 
get in depending on how they run their defense you know they might be coming after him but I think it's going to put some of that pressure on Kyler and that line is not going to be able to hold up against the the pass rush ability that you get from those three guys one really good thing last time the Cardinals played against the Rams both Von Miller and Leonard Floyd had a problem where they were rushing narrow. They're using inside moves, and that allows Kyler to just easily walk around them and get yards. And if you remember that last Rams versus Cardinals game, that's how Kyler made it look closer than it was late. Clearly, somebody talked to them because when they played the Ravens and Tyler Huntley, who is a better running quarterback than Kyler, they were very disciplined. They did not take inside lanes. And if, if those guys learn their lesson and they keep their discipline, and I have to believe that they did and they will, they will beat Humphreys and Beecham. They will get significant pressure from the edge. Aaron Donald will always get pressure up the middle. And Greg Gaines is a fucking plug at nose guard. I like him. So that defensive line is a mismatch for these Cardinals. That defensive line is going to give Kyler Murray problems because he doesn't handle pressure well, especially when it comes up the middle. And it will limit James Conner to the extent that you can limit one of the best running backs in the NFL. Again, I, like really, if they play straight up on defense and Raheem Morris, fuck, no, it's not Raheem Morris. That's the Bucs. Yeah, no, you're right. Raheem Morris used to be the head coach of the Bucs, which is why I always get him confused with Todd Bowles, who used to be the head coach of the Jets, who is now the defensive coordinator of the Bucs, while Raheem Morris is the vanilla play calling defensive coordinator in L.A. When the Rams succeed on defense, it is because their defensive line is dominant. I promise you that if I coached the Rams, their defensive line would be almost exactly as good as it currently is. It would get just as much pressure because that has nothing to do with coaching. Aaron Donald would still be a free. Von Miller would still be getting better and better. Greg Gaines would still be a plug in the middle. And Leonard Floyd would still be athletic and long. Now, if he sticks with his vanilla ways, he's going to stick Jalen Ramsey on A.J. Green. He's going to stick Darius Williams on this Wesley kid. And he's going to hope that Deion can handle Kirk. And I think that with a little bit of linebacker help, that'll work out. The problem is going to be Ertz. They will run a cover three style defense. It'll be a lot of match zones. It'll be a lot of buzzing zones too. They'll keep everything in front of them. They'll tackle well. Lord knows Ramsey is a great tackler. Darius Williams is a good tackler. Rap can run and hit. Ertz is going to get his catches. I think Ertz hits the over on catches. But Ertz is not going to be enough to win this game for the Cardinals. Aaron Donald and Von Miller will take away at least one possession from the Cardinals. I really like the Rams, and I don't want to like the Rams. Yeah, I don't know if I go into really like the Rams, but I think I like them in this game too because of the difference in the trenches where the Rams O-line isn't spectacular, but they're solid all around. And the Cardinals D-line has fallen off as the year has gone on. But then we get to the other side where the Cardinals O-line is below average and the rams have a really good deal and um we and have they one, have the speed we have a mitigating factor too you know how we gave all that fucking time to matt stafford turnover machine disappointing us nobody fumbles more than kyler murray this is true he's recovered most of his fumbles because god simply must like him better than god likes me but he fumbles a lot and he throws picks i think that to the extent matt stafford is a wild card with his turnover prone tendencies Lately, Kyler Murray is at least as bad, and Matt Stafford is a significantly better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Significantly. I agree with you. All right, so I think we, uh, we're we picking the Rams in this one. Oh, we're absolutely picking the Rams. The only question is, do we try to get down to minus three, or do we just live with minus four? I don't think, I think it should might, matter. 
I think, yeah, we might just have to live with minus four. I mean, it's the playoffs. So I, and the way this year has gone with getting like so many bad beats, um, it'll probably be a three point game, but it, you probably look at it, see if you want to parlay something down. I mean, I think we, we do have some games that we really like um, in terms of who's going to win just the number isn't great. So if you want to take Tampa Bay and parlay them and, and, uh, tease it down a little bit and match it with the Rams or Kansas city and do the same thing. Um, you, you have two solid legs out of six games. So you have a little bit of freedom if you want to try and play with that game. I think straight up though, at minus four is solid though. I also think that because it's Monday night football, one, you're going to get two way action. So the line will about stay where it is Two, If anything, it's going to move towards the Cardinals because the Rams disappointed people in games that people watched. Whereas the Cardinals have been disappointing people in games that nobody's been watching. And three, and this is the most important part. Let's say everything breaks wrong and it's Sunday night. The Chiefs game's about to start. Everybody has bet on the Rams for some reason. And now it's minus five, which would be a big move. You can still just take Chiefs minus two and a half and parlay it with fucking Rams minus two and a half. And it's going to give you plus odds. And that's fine. Yeah, exactly. So I, I probably will parlay it just because it works out logistically. Um like you don't have to keep your money tied up very long because you can literally bet every single game. It's every game is a standalone. It's kind of beautiful for your capital. But out of six games, it looks like we've got five actual likes, five actual bets. Yeah, I uh, I always like it when when Wild Card Weekend offers us some good games to jump into, even if some of these lines are funky. I think we have good uh, picked out some good matchup differences that'll kind of flip these games and bring us into some money. Now, right. do you want to talk about the two teams on bye weeks? I think we should uh, just to just to get an idea of where their strengths and weaknesses are. I want to start with the Titans because I have kind of a hot take. I don't feel comfortable in saying this, and I certainly didn't think that I thought this until I went through it. But I think that the Titans are going to go to the Super Bowl. This isn't because I love the Titans and I certainly don't love Mike Vrabel. But one thing we know is that scheme and coaching matter a little less in the playoffs than typically. And that's good for the Titans because their roster is a lot better than their coaching. I know that Mike Vrabel might win coach of the year, and that's very nice, but I don't care. I see what I see. He is a coward. He actively tries to win every game by two points. Sometimes he fails. He loves to run the ball, even though he shouldn't. And generally, I think that his penis is very small and shriveled because of steroids and being a bitch. Mike Vrabel has cost me so much money on a roster that I love so, so much that it has become personal and I hate him. And his wife <laughs> smells bad. <laughs> but uh, all that aside... He's been a lot better this year, actually, about his aggression. Uh, not with play calling. He still wants them to run the ball a lot. But just as far as fourth downs go, punting in, you know, plus territory, it's been less than past. Um, additionally, they're finally getting healthy. Julio Jones will probably make it through five snaps. Wow. Uh, A.J. Brown will probably be a full go by the time. Not next. Well, in about 10 days, A.J. Brown should be a full go. I don't know about Derrick Henry. I don't, I think they'll bring him back and I think he'll be kind of shitty because I think that Derrick Henry is fine when he's healthy. I, I think he's a volume guy and I don't think he'll be quite right when he plays, if he plays, but I don't think it'll matter a lot because their offensive line has really been putting shit together lately and they'll finally have a passing attack. And now because of necessity, Tannehill's built up a little bit of a relationship with this Nick Westbrook Ikini and he's been okay. I mean, as a third wide receiver, fine. Not clamoring for him, not begging any team to sign him and, you know, give him a promotion. But as a wide receiver three, sure, fuck it. Why not? And 
I'm just really not impressed by any team in the AFC. I mean, you've heard me talk about all of them, except the Chiefs, because we'll save that. But they're just not very good. None of the teams are. And I think that the fucking Titans have beaten every decent team left in the AFC playoffs. So personally, I just see it shaking out that they're going to play against the Bengals in round in round two. The divisional round, they'll play the Bengals. I think they'll win because the Bengals aren't very good. And then I think they'll play either the Chiefs or the Bills, both of whom they've beaten. And they've gotten better since they beat both of those teams. I think the Chiefs probably pose a greater threat because they haven't sucked on offense lately, which is very different from last time around. But I don't know, man. I think it's I think they're at least in the AFC championship game. And I don't love the other contenders in the AFC championship. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see. I have a hard time picking anyone right now just because it's gonna depend on who's playing who, because this year is truly a matchup thing where each game is gonna depend on just who ends up playing. Um where, you know, in previous years where we go, okay, the Chiefs are a juggernaut or, you know, the Patriots forever where, okay, this is the team unless someone can pull it out against them. We don't have that this year. So I could definitely see that with the Titans because Tannehill has played well. And I think their offense, even though they still ran the ball without Derrick Henry, they were still effective without Derrick Henry. And there were games that Tannehill had to put him on their back. And I think that makes a big difference for when Henry comes back, even if it's just mentally for their team. Perception is reality. Exactly. They can succeed without, you know, Derrick Henry, King Henry, the guy that's getting 2000 yards a year and everyone talks about as one of the best in the league and everything. He went down for the whole like second half of this year, pretty much. And they were still good. They still got the first seed in the AFC, you know. So I think that'll go that'll go towards them building their confidence, which is huge for the playoffs. Well, and it just changes how teams will play them because they'll stack the box. Yeah. Even if it's stupid, they're going to be like, well, you don't want to get, you don't want to be the guy on Monday who says, oh, fuck, Derrick Henry ran for 200 yards. I mean, honestly, you kind of do, but. Yeah. And then additionally, I think their defenses, they invested a ton into it this last year and it's paid off. Oh, yeah. You know, Bud Dupree ended up being a really good signing. I thought that was kind of silly and he's played well. He's, and maybe it's because I had low expectations for him, but he's done well. Obviously, Harold Landry is still a stud. And all their young corners and, and safeties have come in and done a really good job. So their their Achilles heel of years past was the defense kind of sucked. They get passed on like crazy. And they've improved. See, so yeah, the defense has figured things out. You know, they're not stopping everyone and shutting everybody down. They're not a top flight defense, but they've improved a lot. And I think when you mix that they've had success now without Henry, and have a, a blueprint of how to do that when they don't have their star player. And the defense has improved with young players that are just very talented. It puts them in a good position. Like you said, Vrabel has actually found a, a much nicer balance with his aggression, where he's not punting from the other team's 45-yard line anymore, and he's going for it on some fourth downs, and it seems like he's trusting the offense more which I think goes into they had success without Henry and they've all kind of grown through it. I do like their team. Honestly, I just think it would be fun to see them do well too. I've kind of always liked Tannehill because he got thrown to the wolves with Gase in Miami and everyone put him in the trash and he, you know, went back and he was good in Miami and just didn't have the opportunities. And now he's what, 33 years old and actually like having success and it's a fun season for him. Plus, 
you know, I like Julio and AJ Brown. So I like the team as well. So I'm happy to see they're doing well. We'll see. I think it's going to be a matchup by matchup basis through the playoffs, but they're definitely a team that I like. And, you know, even though they're the number one seed in the AFC, I feel like not a lot of people expect them to go very. No, I mean, like Steve Fezzik just yesterday said that he thinks the Titans are literally a below average NFL team. He thinks they're like the worst team in the playoffs. That's really interesting. Yeah. And like, he's usually pretty well aligned with the market. So yeah, I mean, just disagree on that front, but it, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for the, the Titans to play. It'll be, it should be a good playoffs. And I think we'll get good value on the Titans, whoever they do end up playing, but it will be the Bengals and we will be betting a lot on the Titans. Um, final team is the Packers. I don't want to get too into this or else I'll rant about why Aaron Rodgers for MVP is the most absurd fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, He's had a good year. He's had a fine year, but if you like, if you like this Aaron Rodgers MVP season, like if you, if you think this MVP, this season was MVP level from Aaron Rodgers, we got a lot of people to put in pro bowls. We got to put Jimmy Garoppolo from this year in the pro bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo from the super bowl year in the pro bowl. We got to put Baker from last year in the pro bowl. We got to promote Kirk cousins to an all pro type quarterback. We got to do a lot of shit. And I don't think anybody thinks any of that shit should happen. First of all, Tom Brady was insane this year. The consistency, the level of play, the level of difficulty, the amount of injuries that he played through, not personally, but on his team, give it to the fucking man. Even if it's just a fucking makeup call, because last year he played better than Aaron Rodgers with a torn MCL and didn't get any MVP votes. Come on. He lost Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. He had half of Mike Evans. Gronk is 29,000 years old. Ah, Come on. Whatever. We're not going to rant about the MVP race, Joe. <laughs> I agree with you. I, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a good year. He was very efficient. He didn't turn the ball over. I, I don't think a, he was good. And I think he turned the ball over a lot more than actually got turned over. Mm-hmm, but it's like if you throw a I, can of beer at somebody and try to hit their head, which would probably kill them, that's called battery with a deadly weapon, even though you didn't hit them, even though nobody got hurt. Just rant about everything today. Um, no, I would. Yeah, my my thing with with Brady is just that he he was similarly efficient. You know, Rogers is a little bit more efficient, but Brady had way more usage. Yeah, like almost twice the volume. And so he they relied on him. He was and not that the Packers don't rely on Rogers, but, but they kind of don't. The but they kind of don't. They really they the don't rely on. Him. Yeah, it's a lot of running the ball. It's a lot of screens. It's a lot of short passes with designed yards after the catch. And if you want to say, oh, but aren't yards after the catch a quarterback stat? Sometimes, yeah. In a lot of offenses, they are. In Tom Brady's offense, yards after the catch are almost exclusively the quarterback stat because it's downfield throwing. Peyton Manning, when he was young, had a lot of yards after the catch because he was precisely accurate, hitting people in stride downfield to the second and third levels of the field. Not in a West Coast offense. In a West Coast offense, yards after the catch is called not fucking up terribly. That's why Drew Brees had a ton of yards after the catch last year and the year before and the year before. Teddy Bridgewater this year, and every year he fucking ever succeeded at all. Kirk Cousins. I can list a ton of other mediocre quarterbacks that people wish didn't play for their teams, but I won't because we're not ranting about Aaron Rodgers' MVP race. We're saying that Aaron Rodgers is a fine quarterback. It is a great scheme. They run the ball extremely well. They have ridiculous depth at offensive line and receiver. The Packers' weakness is their defense. Rashawn Gary started off like a fucking ball of fire. And since about week 10, he's been fine, good, but not special. Uh, Eric Stokes likes to alternate between being the best cornerback in the NFL by a margin 
and just sucking ass, just getting completely lost. And that's going to happen because he's a man-to-man corner who needed a little bit of polish anyways. And now he's playing match zone, which is a very difficult scheme to play mentally. Russell Douglas has been good, but is limited and frankly has gotten away with a lot of shit this year, especially that Browns game, which we won't talk about. I think that the Packers are a good team. I think they might even be a great team. And I think that they're very consistent. And frankly, I'm shocked at how good of a coach LaFleur is because I thought he was going to suck after he was so conservative in Tennessee. And it really hampered Mariota and Tannehill both. Or no, just Mariota. I don't know. I remember. I think you're right. Because I think it was Tannehill was Arthur Smith. Yeah. No, you're right. Last year was the first full year of Tannehill. No, it was the first year of Tannehill. Yeah. Two years ago was Mariota. I think that was the year they were in between, wasn't it? It doesn't matter. I know that I watched I watched a lot of Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator for the Titans, and I was really disappointed because they ran the ball so much and so inefficiently, and they never really had downfield shots for the quarterback. And I was like, this guy fucking sucks. And I've learned that actually that's Brable. No matter who you put in that position of offensive coordinator for the Titans, Vrabel will turn them into a halfback dive at. He's like a pimp. He gets you hooked on halfback dive, and then you do what he wants. So I like that analogy. It works. Um, Vrabel's a halfback dive pimp, and Matt LaFleur has gotten clean and all of a sudden is a really fucking good offensive play caller. He seems to have a really good handle on his team because they're consistent. They don't have off weeks and they just seem generally disciplined. They don't get a ton of penalties. Now, some of that is because they're the Packers and the Packers were born with a horseshoe up their ass a hundred years ago. But yeah, the thing that's impressed me with LaFleur has been his game plans. He's done such a good job of deciphering the strengths and weaknesses of not only his team at that week, but the team they're playing against. And he's just been able to pick out that weakness and just hammer it. Uh, I think he's probably the best part of their team right now. Oh, he is. He is. And this is where in playoffs that fades a little bit. We talk about, you know, coaching fades. They're still a good team because they still are so very talented. They're incredibly deep on the O-line. And now they're getting some guys back on the defense where it looks like Jair is going to be back. Jerry Smith's going to be back, um, which will help them. Like, I want to put it this way. The weakest link on their offense, coaching included, is probably Aaron Rodgers. Like offensive line, receiving group, running game, coaching, quarterback is probably the weakest. And as low as I am on Aaron Rodgers relative to most people, he's not bad. Yeah, he's still <laughs> like, a good quarterback. If he's your weak point, that is a very good offense. And that the depth of good talent on that offense is why they are so consistent. I think they will struggle against the Rams or Buccaneers because they will be out-talented. Uh, those are the only two teams that I think have a chance. I, I think one of those three teams wins the Super Bowl, even. I just think that it'll probably be the Buccaneers because they have a better quarterback and a better defense. Yeah, that 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 conference will be very fun because you where in the AFC, it's a bunch of teams that are like, they're all good, but have really obvious problems. The NFC, you have some you have some of those juggernauts that we talked about of the Bucks. obviously won the Super Bowl last year and are arguably a more complete team this year. The Packers have had a great season. I mean, again, Rodgers is not what people quite think he is, but he still throws beautiful deep balls. He's been really smart with it this year. And their offense is designed so well that he doesn't have to be God. He has to go hit his couple of nice deep balls, make some plays where he truly creates. But other than that, he's just got to throw the ball quickly to the guy behind the line. Yeah, no, I the, the Super Bowl this year is going to come down to who wins the NFC. And the NFC will come down to whether or not the three 
So the, the Rams and the Buccaneers have a ceiling of a 10. But they also have a floor of like a five. The Packers are probably a ceiling of an eight or a nine, but they have a floor of like a seven. So if everybody plays their best game, the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. If one of the Rams or Bucks has a bad game against any of those three teams, they're out. And if the Bucks and or Rams have anything short of their best game against the Packers, the Packers win the Super Bowl. And I really hope the Packers don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'd be kind of upset. I just never want the Packers to win because Same. they're they're the NFC Steelers to me. Yeah. And that they they get every single call and their fans are annoying. Um that is the think- only Super Bowl I've ever skipped. I straight the Packers up, Super Bowl. I, I took a nap instead of watching Steelers Packers because I couldn't handle it. This <laughs> is back I was still a real Bears fan because I was like 14 or 15. And I was so fucking upset that I couldn't watch it. I just slept. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I rooted for the Packers that game, obviously. Um, I didn't really feel good about either of them. And at that point, I still liked Aaron Rodgers because, like, he was a solid quarter. Like, he was a good quarterback that wasn't a humongous douchebag. But, like, now he's yeah. still a good, <laughs> a good quarterback. But people treat him. Like, I hear people talk about him as, like, one of the best ever mm-hmm. or as the best ever. And that yep. just spins my fucking head. Um, it's been so thoroughly proven so many times, both head to head and comparatively, that he's just not on Brady's yeah. level. He's not on Peyton Manning's level. We're getting into the fucking weeds. But yeah, he, things have progressed since then. I've learned to hate their team or hate him, really. Honestly, I don't have as much of a problem with Packs. I just really don't like him. Um, <laughs> it, it annoys me that they, you know, get a lot of calls and everything. And I think their fans are a little annoying, but like everybody's fans are annoying. So once once they're, once they're stuck with Jordan Love and they're a four and 12 team, I won't really care. See, I could see them still being OK with Jordan Love, because even though I think he sucks, I think LaFleur can actually craft a pretty good offense around him. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do with a guy they can't throw accurately, but eventually LaFleur's he'll really just good. eventually he'll just start running read option and they'll win six to ten games. Yeah. Um, what the Bears should do next year. The Bears should hire Greg Roman because it's their only fucking chance. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, we're going to have that conversation eventually. Oh, we will. we will. But for now, we are going to bet Cincinnati minus five and a half. Anything like two units, three? I'm doing big units for the fucking playoffs. I don't give a fuck. Let's go two. Okay, that's actually what I had already written down. So we're on the same page. We're going to go Buffalo minus four over New England. How many units? I feel like if we're doing two for Cincy, we should do like four for Buffalo. I have five written down for Buffalo, so we're doing five. <laughs> okay. We have Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. I'm thinking one. Yeah, I think one, just because the number is so big. Dallas minus three over San Fran. I think that's a one or two. I think it's a two, but I think that that means that Cincy should probably be a three. Okay. Yeah, because I don't feel as confident about that one as I do Cincy. Yep. Just because there are like there is the avenue that the 49ers just fucking bully the Cowboys. And Dak has to actually like be good, not just fine. And then I get scared. Right. And finally, we've got the Rams minus four hosting the Cardinals. I think that's two. Yeah, I say two. I feel like I feel the same about that as I do the Cowboys. Like it's a team that I like, but there's definitely an avenue where they fuck me. Bro, I say two, but I'm t- I'm I'm very confident that I'm going to win both my Cincinnati and Buffalo bets. So I'm going to be up eight units after the first day, and I'm going to get stupid with it. I'm going to just throw fucking cash at Dallas and LA, and they're both going to end up being four unit bets because I'm riding high, <laughs> and that can go amazing or it can go devastating. I need, I need some discipline in my life. And luckily, my girlfriend's in California and my sister is moving out of my apartment Saturday. 
So I will have nobody to stop me from shenanigans. <laughs> the perfect time of the year for it. The, the first time that I've been alone with my thoughts in literally a month. And it's just in time for me to cripple myself. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, with that, I think we are ready to uh, go watch some wild card football. Yeah. Uh, on that cheery ass note, uh, welcome to pumpkin season. And frankly, I don't care what you think. And I really actually hope that you scream into the void about how wrong we are, but not until after you've bet on football games. Asta.